I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Geek Down Podcast, the show where two friends and nerds sit down and try to figure out where their fandoms intersect. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. My name is Jordan Ferguson. And it is sweltering. So two friends come together, sit in front of microphones, and sweat. Or cover themselves in aloe, (laughs) as the case may be. Friends, you're going to hear some weird, (laughs) wet noises this episode, I'm sure. I'll do it for them right now. Oh, that sounds so gross. <laughs> that is so gross. <laughs> I'm sorry, friends. Uh, it's an aloe squirt bottle. Kate, Only... Kate and Jordan did a lot of gallivanting, not together, individually. Um, it's been a busy weekend for both of us. Yes. And uh, Kate contracted a rather, well, who knows how severe it is, but she, her baseline, her baseline whiteness scale is rather high to begin with it doesn't take much to it's not just to light a, it up it's not just a whiteness scale my my sister and my dad just my dad's from scotland they just they just get darker <laughs> my dad doesn't wear any sunblock he just gets darker never burns my sister never burns she gets just gets darker i am just super pasty and like when i get sun everything gets blotchy fry it up yeah it's not a good look um, and I did, for those of you who are concerned, wear sunblock, but it was not enough. I was at the Highland Games, so... Oh my god, it was the Highland Games? Yeah. I had no idea. It was the Highland Games, the Coburg Highland Games. I would have busted the fuck out of the Taste of Italy festival <laughs> on College Street in Toronto and made my took my ass to Coburg. Uh, except it's basically impossible to get to. <laughs> if you don't drive... It was also Brigadoon. It's also... It's actually... It's less Brigadoon. Than Dundas. But it still is. It still is hard to get to. Uh, I had to take a via train, which, uh-huh. yeah, usually I can just take the go. Via is unbelievably expensive. Yeah. Uh, how do you think I get home to visit my family? But you get to like sit in luxury and someone comes by and asks if you want tea. Well, yeah. And charges me like $7 for a tea cup. Tea is not that expensive. I, but it's the Mo- good tea. Money bags over here dropping, <laughs> dropping racks on the via. Actually... Uh, this is the only time in my life a man has bought me a drink. The oh, right. <laughs> you told me about, you, did, you did not, did not elucidate, but you did tell me, uh, that this happened. Uh, it was on the train? Uh, on the train. The man beside me who was, um. 90? No, he was in his, I'm guessing, early 30s, um, jacked. <laughs> But also kind of like super sleazy looking. Um, Seemed like a nice guy. Mm -hmm. But I was very, I didn't know what to do. He insisted on paying for my tea. He took out like a wad of cash. I was pretty sure to just like show off. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I wasn't blotchy at that point. So I probably looked like, okay. (laughs) Um, Look at you. But I got like sweaty. Get picked up on the via. He didn't, we didn't really say much, but yeah. (laughs) He insists on paying for my tea. So thank you, person who's going to Ottawa who paid for my tea. <laughs> Hope Ottawa is cooler than this place. Hey, let's get some business out of the way. Uh, if all this talk is the type of thing you need in your life all the time, there are really... We always say two ways, but I mean, really, any way you listen to podcasts, you can listen to it. If you put in Geek Down Podcast Listen into Google, 
I'm sure a million things would come up. Something will come up. But the ones we highlight, because they tend to be the most predominant, are soundcloud.com slash geekdownpod. Give us a follow on there. You will be notified every time an episode goes live. As well, while you're there, you'll see a button with the Telltale logo beside it that says subscribe. Click that. You are jaunted over to Apple Podcasts, not iTunes. Not stop, I- call, stop calling it that. Don't call it iTunes. Stop calling it that. The, the the iTunes fairies will get very upset. You will not be able to buy an iPhone 8 when it comes out if you keep calling it iTunes. But while you're there at Apple Podcasts, if you wanted to leave us a rate and review while you're there and you haven't already done so, that would be kind of nice. That would be fantastic, actually. We'd like that. You know what? Even if maybe you don't subscribe through iTunes, if you want to head over there. You called it iTunes. Oh, God, they're going to come for my eyeballs. <laughs> Good thing I don't need to buy an Apple product. <laughs> Shut the windows. Um, if you go to Apple Podcast and just rate and review anyways, that would also be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, but while you're there, you can click subscribe through Apple Podcasts, and that means nothing else is required of you. And you will get a visit once a week from uh, Chauncey the Geek Down Internet Elf. He's magical. He is. He also hates the fairies. So he, uh, that, that was actually him who bought your tea, by the way. Oh, was it? Yes. I had no idea. I mean, it wasn't him all the time. He just, like, you know, entered the body of the jacked, Ottawa-bound, money-stacked passenger. Who was pretty sleazy looking. Who was like... Had fake tan. He was like, you know what? This isn't ideal. Have yourself a tea, ma. Thanks, Chauncey. Thanks, Chauncey. Make sure y'all thank Chauncey as well for the hours and hours of wonderful, entertaining product he brings you every week and smashes directly into your ear hole. And... If you guys would like to thank us, possibly monetarily, <laughs> uh, you could head over to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash GeekdownPod. And um, we have a whole bunch of different uh, levels that you can you can help us out with. Like one. Like one dollar. Like five. Like five dollars. Like ten. Ten dollars. Up to twenty-five. Yes. Um, and all of the information about those levels and what you get at each level um, is there. Um, we appreciate everyone who helps us out at the moment. Um, the next probably money will be saved up for a possible uh, uh, mixer. I, had to, I have to do the motion. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for her to get around to it. I thought that's what she was going to say, but I didn't know for a fact until she, she started making twisty motions like in yeah. the air in front of her. Yeah. Actually, it looks like she's playing Tune in Tokyo, that classic childhood uh, game. <laughs> No one knows what you're talking about. What? <laughs> it was a terrible game that children, <laughs> the children in the late 80s played by squeezing the boobs of people around them. Male, female, didn't matter. It was like a glorified titty twister. That, that's weird. Yeah. Um, anyways, so yes, uh, that's what the money would be going to next. So thank you to everyone who already helps. And thank you to future helpers. I'm sure you're out there. <laughs> thank you, future helpers. Can't um, wait to meet you. If you would like to contact us about anything or just be like, hey, what's going on? Or tell us, you know, that you like what we're doing. You can reach us on various uh, social medias. Yep. Uh, you can reach, reach us at Twitter, which you get us at Geek Down Pod. Yep. There, there I go. did it. At Geek Down Pod, not www.twitter.com Geek Down Pod. Tweet hat dot net. No. Um, you can email us, geekdownpod at gmail.com. Or you can reach us at Facebook. He's just waiting. <laughs> Just waiting for me to say something crazy. Um, www.facebook.com forward slash Geektown Pod. There we go. Those are all the ways you can. That or like smoke signal. Yes. Uh, teletype. Caitlin, 
Yes. We have a correction to make. We do? Kind of. What did we do? We fucked up. How did we fuck up? What ended recently? What's the thing we did that ended recently? Uh, that involved prizes. Oh, we we had a... a, a, a <laughs> uh, sorry, a contest. I'm trying to figure out where this is going. Your head wrap is too tight. <laughs> we did have a contest, and there was a winner that got to that contest. Yeah. We did not announce it on the show. No, but we announced it on the Facebook page. That was not enough oh, for the person. Oh, I am so sorry. <laughs> who won. And it's like the person who won communicated that they would like an actual shout out. Oh, well, okay. In that case, Christine McLeod. Is the winner of our of our geek down, geek down contest? You're getting snacks. Yeah, you're getting a ten dollar Google Play card. Yeah, you are. And you're getting, which I'm sure will be displayed prominently in your home, a poster of Caitlin and I designed as ponies. It's amazing. It was made by our friend Kaim Dar. The first printed depiction of Sunshine Bubbles and Scarlet Ember will live in your home. It's very Christine McLeod. Um, and yeah, so thanks to, uh, thank you, uh, Christine for participating and being awesome. And thank you everyone else who participated as well. We got lots of great information and we will tweak the show, um, which we're kind of doing right now, actually. It's, it's, it's a living organism. Yeah. It's always changing. Yeah. But, uh, like the show is, uh, it's going to be a lot of chit chat and, uh, we predominantly, yeah, it's going to be a predominantly chit chatty episode and fast because y'all we are currently we're not moving too much fan position has a uh, caitlin made some good calls on fan positioning in the poly pocket um so we are remaining very still it's dark it's very dark in here it's right very dark in here and we're gonna try to get through this quick because it's hot it's real hot so yeah the sooner i get this second body out of my apartment the better because I just release heat with this extra burn. It's just being released into the atmosphere. Women are all blast furnaces. I don't know. Women are all blast furnaces with the coldest feet imaginable. <laughs> I don't know how you as a gender are functioning constantly walking around with frigid feet and just like nuclear temperature torsos at all time. I don't know how to explain it. We're like rabbits. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, a lot of gallivanting. You went to the Highland Games. I did. Did you toss a caber? Uh, no, but I watched ta- cabers being tossed. How was that? Uh, it was amazing. <laughs> and there was like so many other competitions and it was just, it was so much fun and there t- tons of piping. You chase cheese down a hill? Does that happen at these? No. Oh. That's not, no. No, it's, it's Highland dancing. Uh-huh. Piping. And like bag piping. Uh-huh. And, just wanted to make sure. I don't know. You thought we chased cheese down a hill. So, and, uh, well, one of y'all chases cheese down a hill. It's not us. Okay. And, uh, heavy competition, which is the tossing in the caber and a whole bunch of other competitions with feats of strength. It's kind of amazing. Do you pull a tractor trailer? Uh, no, but that they actually, they are, it was amateurs at this game and, um, the winner actually, uh, qualified to go to, I believe Norway for the, um, to pull a tractor trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. 
for the for their games, their their heavy games. I think they're called or heaviest man alive. Ah, I can't remember what they're called. Heaviest man alive. Uh, yeah, I just I think that's the title that they win. I mean, I'm strongest strong man. That's it, strong man competitions. It is hot. It is obviously <laughs> affecting me. And this burn has gone. It's burnt my brain. Between the burn and listen, Caitlin's got this head wrap thing going on right now. She she looks like an extra from the thing that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> Um, I really think it's too tight and it's not, <laughs> it's wrapped too tight and it's not going to serve her well. It's keeping my hair out of my face, not <laughs> making me less hot. Anyway, so yes, that was, that was tons of fun. It, I was there uh, with my dad. Happy belated Father's Day. But I got him some sweet mystery novels for Father's Day. He loves, he loves mystery novels. Is that where you get it from? I, no, because my was dad. Was the bringer of mysteries? My dad, weirdly, is a late fiction reader. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, he did when he was a kid, and and he, but he worked crazy hours when I was growing up, and I definitely wasn't really known for reading a lot. But in his older age, he's sort of like he just reads constantly now. Um, he's actually, I got him reading some Neil Gaiman, and nice. he's read like The Golden Compass, and um, which is just for me. I'm just so excited because. I, I left some books for him. I'm like, hey, if you feel like reading some fantasy, here's some here's some books. Not thinking he was going to touch them. And then him, I'm, I come back next the weekend after or the month after, and he was like, that uh that Neverwhere book was was really good. And I was like, oh my god, my father read one of my favorite books. He's kind of a nerd now too. Um, so yeah, I I enjoy getting my dad books because he he enjoys reading them. So. What, what did you did you wish your dad happy happy Father's Day? Not as of yet. I believe he had church this morning, and I had some had some viewings to finish up. Uh, but when we're done here, yes, I'll give him the old give the old FaceTime. I guess that's nice. Conversations with you know, dad is usually the supporting player in conversations with mom. So I mean, <laughs> conversations with just the two of us are usually kind of stilted. And I mean, like I adore my father, but like. It's that real kind of like unspoken thing. It's like, sup? You want some bacon and eggs? Yes, I do. Thanks. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> well, real close relationship with your dad. Yep. Um, no, I'm sure we'll. I'll call and we'll talk about what we've been watching on Netflix for you know an hour and <laughs> ask him if he's watched any more mysteries. Because your dad liked Miss Fisher's. I remember that. My dad was checking out Miss Fisher's. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Know, I have no idea what he's been he's been watching lately. Um, yeah, so you went to the Highland Games. I my day got way busier yesterday than I was expecting. I had the stupidest day at work ever on Friday night to Saturday morning. Oh, because that's that's how it started. Stupid, not stupid, but like um, friends. It's time for public health talk with <sighs> with Jordan Kate. You hear a lot about Canada. You know, our, our socialist utopia and our, our miracle free healthcare. Yes. It's all free. It's not all free. No. But a lot of it's free. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of fun when something's wrong. I just go to a clinic. They go, okay, do this. I pay like $5 for antibiotics and then I leave. Yeah. Yay. What is not covered under these systems, which frankly I have never understood. And I think if I ever became a politician, it would be my great white whale of a uh, cause to chase down. Even right. though at this point I know it would never happen. Uh, dental is not covered. No, it is not. That has always kind of seemed problematic to me. Yeah. 
And now you're saying to yourself, Jordan, don't you have insurance through your job? I do. Mm-hmm. Here's what my experience before I moved to Toronto with dentists had been. Uh, when I was under my father's insurance as a child, I would go to the dentist. They prod around in there for a while. And I would have a form in my pocket of my jacket. And I would walk out and I would hand them the form and give a high five and skip and tra-la out the, <laughs> out the door. And then I stopped being under my father's insurance. Yeah. And they're like, Jordan, you need a checkup. All right, I'll go get a checkup. And they were like, cool. You're not covered anymore. That's going to be $300. Yeah. Jordan went, whoo. <laughs> that was maybe in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, fam. I don't have a spare $300 just kicking around all the time. Caitlin has not had a checkup in a really long time. Up top. So the last time I went to a dentist, and this is now I had insurance. Right. I had insurance, but I was still just kind of like lazy. Um, and, but then I started getting pain. And this was back in like 07, maybe. Started getting pain to the point where like I couldn't sleep anymore. It was like shooting through my jaw. It was like, well, I got to figure what the hell's going out here. And I went to the dentist and they were like, okay, well, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to do this and it's going to be this much and do this and we'll have to do this and that'll be that much. And I was like, dope. I have insurance. And they're yeah. like cool so what's going to happen is you're going to pay us yeah and then your insurer will send you a check and i said that seems stupid Uh, yeah because if you don't have the money you don't have the money so front or not this was ultimately involved a root canal oh which when it was all said and done was i remember at the time it was like well we can pull it and that will be like you know two hundred dollars yeah or we can do root canal cap blah blah all this other shit and that'll be like eleven hundred dollars i should have just got the motherfucker pulled yeah but i was young enough that (laughs) i was like don't take things out of my body i need all these things (laughs) it's part of me um should have just got it pulled didn't my then girlfriend at the time was uh nice enough to um you know pony up on her credit card and then when the check came i just gave her the check uh, but still, all so dumb. All so dumb. Yeah. And so when it was set, when I finished this whole root canal process and they were like, well, we can put a giant filling in for this much or we can put a crown on it, which is going to be like 600 bucks. I was like, put the fucking filling in. <laughs> yeah. Because um, here's the thing. I think I read somewhere that the reason they do this, by and large, is because it encourages you know patients to take better care of their teeth on their own because then they won't want to pay for... If they know they can just, oh, jaunt on in and stuff will get done and it's not going to cost them anything, it'll put a bigger strain on the system. Yes. Um, Newsflash, y'all. You want that kind of money from me up front? I just ain't going to the dentist. Yeah. Like at all. And I hadn't for a long time. Yeah. A long ass time. I, I think that, I think there should be a system where you can just like pay in slowly. Like you do with EI for yeah. dental care, where they just like take, you know, a couple dollars off of a paycheck. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you got this like. You got a pot. You got a pot. And now there are, I know that you can set this up yourself via whichever bank you bank with. Um, they actually have, you can automatically take a couple dollars off every time you get a, pay tra- a paycheck. Um, but having, it, it has to be said, having someone else take the money for you definitely helps 
And it's kind of like we do with taxes and healthcare, right? We pay taxes, and that money goes into paying for universal healthcare, mostly. Um, so maybe if there's another smaller thing just for dental, that would be great because I'm in a situation right now. Well, I don't have insurance at all, mm. whatsoever. So anything I went to go get done would be completely out of pocket. Yeah. Um, so unless I had someone who'd let me pay them like twenty dollars a month <laughs> until I paid the thousand dollars off, I you know it just it wouldn't be it wouldn't be happening. So. Yeah, I I just haven't gone either. And now I do take care. I floss, brush my teeth twice a day at least. None mouthwash. Of, none of the listeners are dentists, Caitlin. They're not gonna they're not gonna shame you like actual dentists do. I think they they but they'll just shame me. <laughs> You're wondering why we're talking about all this, friends. We're talking about all this because a couple weeks ago, uh, I don't know, I was eating some triscuits and watching some Netflix, and I felt something like I had food stuck in my teeth. Uh huh. Um, and I went over to the bathroom and uh, you know gave a little. You know, the dry, I've heard the benefits of the dry brush are good sometimes, like a brush without paste. That's weird. Okay. Um, for just, you know, loosening debris and whatnot. So I just, you know, rinsed the toothbrush and gave a little, like, run over the fronts and something came off one of my front teeth. And I damn near had a heart attack and I held it between my <laughs> fingers and it kind of crumbled apart. And I was like, oh my God, my teeth are going to fucking fall out. <laughs> now, in retrospect, it was just calcified tartar. <laughs> Don't tell people that. That's really gross. Well, maybe they are going to have the same issue, and maybe they would like to know. Well, you know what? Actually, that's very kind of you. I am your personal Google, friends. Um, I mean, it didn't like leave a gaping hole underneath or anything. It was just like, oh, well, there's been gum under there this whole time. Um, <laughs> oh, but I still kind of like panicked and found a dentist in nearby Liberty Village. Liberty Village is like the, uh, in the times of the Cold War, like the... Uh, west germany equivalent to like parkdale's east germany yes absolutely <laughs> it, is, it is parkdale's twin city uh we hate them yeah hate them so much it's basically like an artificial village that was just like built up around a bunch of condos for bougie yuppies to like do whatever yeah um but it's close ish to me and advertised clean on the you know reference site that i found can bill your insurer directly and i was like well, we will see about that uh, turns out they could. It was delightful. Oh, um, good. And this was just for a, like, how bad is it consultation where Dr. Sam came in and uh, sat me down in an examination room that was bigger than my fucking apartment. Yeah. Well, your apartment is really small. It isn't hard to do. Let's be honest. Um, with like a 50 inch flat screen on the front and then, you know, through the x-rays and photos of my nasty teeth <laughs> on the 50 inch flat screen and walk me through it. Also, I love that fun experience where they like prod around to check the gum sensitivity and then you yeah. ha they have me rinse. Yeah. And that first spit looks like the fucking shining. It's just like <laughs> crimson. Yeah. Spit out of my mouth. Um, it means your gums aren't very healthy. They're better than I was expecting. Oh, good. Um, long story short, you know, like, there's a buttload of things they would like to do. Yeah. And they gave me this like plan. And then I went out and I squared up for the day. 58 bucks. Whoop. <laughs> That's good. Not 300 bucks. And they're talking to me about all this stuff. And it's basically like $5,000 worth of work they want to do. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back for cleaning in a couple of weeks. <laughs> we'll go from there. Like they want to pull out. I have like two wisdom teeth like the upper wisdom teeth yeah came in 
fine. Yeah. But they've never given me a problem. There's never been any pain or anything. Yeah. But just because like they're going to keep growing apparently dental talk oh man like lisa from the simpsons yeah i'm gonna get like you know like reverse fangs back there they're just gonna like because they're gonna look for their pair like they just kind of keep coming out until they bump against something uh-huh. if they don't bump against something they'll just keep coming out right so they want to pull them and that's gonna cost like you know 400 that, bucks it's like you know no a, offense that sounds made up you know a priority that's like not on my list yeah the two things that have given me no issue in my entire life so we will deal with the cleanings yeah in a couple weeks and I know I have a thing in the back that's basically held together by like, you know, a f- filling and duct tape at this point. <laughs> um, so that will have to get dealt with at some point in a similar fashion to the one years ago. I, mean, I think it's going to be a pull or, you know, root canal crown right. situation. They want to put a crown on the filling one that I had done years ago where I was like, I cannot afford this. Crowns are not covered that much by my plan. Great. They're only covered by half, so it's like, eh, it's cute if you think I'm going to spend the next, like, five years of my life taking every bit of disposable income I have and giving it to the dentist. Though you don't want all your teeth to fall out. Uh, I don't, but the way he made it sound is like, once we get the, cl- to get the cleaning done, unless I have, like, pain that keeps me up at night, the rest of it's not terrible. It'll start to sort itself out, so. Did you look really, like, pale? Because he might have just been nice so you didn't pass out in his chair. No, I looked annoyed and hesitant oh okay because also shouts to this dentist which like first of all dental hygienists there were way too many of y'all running around there and you're all real perky and i was coming off the worst night of work of my life like we just not enough people and way too much to do and repeatedly asking me like so we got any other plans for the rest of the day it's like ah god you were like (laughs) literally shining a uv light directly into my face right now like as I know, the sun is a blowtorch, yes. and they are These they are, are blow blowtorches of happiness. Liberty Village dental hygienists are like actual human blowtorches. They <laughs> would just like flash their smiles at you, and like at one moment they've got me in this like. So the X-rays I think I'm accustomed to are the ones where they just shove the shit in your mouth, and you know they leave the room, and they just kind of yeah. do around. This was like the panoramic one, um, which involved like gripping a thing in front of you and biting a thing, and you had to like. I had to lower my shoulders. I'm basically in like the Wu Chi Tai Chi position, like, <laughs> and trying so this thing doesn't bump my shoulders and my lower back is blowing out because I'm in this unnatural position. And the chick, like, can't get it to work. And I thought I heard her mumble, It's my first day. <laughs> Sorry, it's my first day. And I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me somebody. I haven't been to the dentist in like 10 years. Don't bring somebody who on their first fucking day. It turns out she has a long history as a dental assistant. It was just her first day in this office, but but uh, still, <laughs> every time every time she fucks something up on the computer, it's like, so so we'll get into it. I don't want to spoil anything, but the thing I gave you to watch the second episode, she's terrified of dentists. Oh yeah. So this is just I totally wish you'd watch the second episode. But Man. anyways, yeah. Uh, and then after that, uh, there was a after I got that all done. Uh, not before losing my day pass that I brought for transit for the day. Because oh. I knew I was going to be running around. That's twice. That's twice I've lost a pass now. Apparently my back pockets are just not... They just have giant holes in them that you can't see. Apparently. Or I'm just low-key, you know, having a stroke at all hours of the day. <laughs> just and just losing things. This is... An ongoing stroke. <laughs> like Leah the Brazilian who I hung out with yesterday as I tried to find a transfer <laughs> in my pocket. She was very concerned. Um, the, uh, the website... Just, <laughs> what? <laughs> image of you just like freaking out about this transfer oh yeah, taking everything out of one pocket and another yeah. pocket and you know, just some general general fumbling 
Oh, good times. Oh, I need a CAT scan. Um, <laughs> Disco, the website Discogs, Discogs.com, which is basically a like, database for all released music contributors, you know, input all the information and whatnot. It's a way also to maintain your record collection, among other things. If you want to log your CDs, you're kind of lame, but go ahead. Mostly it's for people and their vinyl. Oh, it sounds so gross. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm burning. <laughs> Um, and they have record sales sometimes, uh, through sponsored record sales kind of throughout the U S and for the first time they've, they're doing them in Canada and they did Montreal a couple of weeks ago and this week they were doing Toronto. That's cool. And it was free to get in. Leah, the Brazilian and I have no problem with free nope. at any time. So we went down there and we checked that out and bought nothing cause it was kind of borderline. It's kind of halfway between like the Gladstone show, which is a real kind of like lower not lower budget but like i've never really seen anything at the gladstone that went for more than like 50 right um and that huge show out at like the croatian center or whatever it was that's like the one off of broadview yes oh yeah that's that you the shit there is like is the steve buscemi and ghost world type characters this was like a <laughs> mashup between the two like i saw a lot of old white guys body checking each other to get to bins <laughs> And just, like, you know, some laid-back, like, kids and DJ types. Um, and it was a good time. We didn't stay there that long. Got swag. Who doesn't nice. love swag? Yeah. Discogs handed out. Especially if it's free swag. Discogs handed out tote bags and stickers and pins and 45 adapters and whatnot. Um, and then Leah was kind of suggesting she wanted to go up to June Records in Little Italy. Because also they were having the taste of little italy festival listen it's toronto in the summer there's like a fucking street festival like every oh every every weekend weekend every ethnicity they have something and this week it's italy's turn and so we basically they block off college from bathurst to just before ossington and just every every restaurant's got a food stall and they're grilling on the street and stuff we got some got some kebabs they're lamb skewers that we got these like rice balls which uh, are called something in Italian, but I don't remember what it was. That's fine. They were tasty. Italians, if you know what he's talking about, please let us know. Um, we swung by June Records. Uh, one, because we wanted to go, and two, because it started raining, and we wanted to get out of the rain, and we hung out there for a bit, and I bought the Catronata album, um, which has been a bugaboo of mine for a while. Not that it was hard to find. It was just like, oh, I really want to buy that record, because I don't like buying new records a lot of the time, especially if stuff that's like regularly saved on my Spotify, but it's so good, and it's definitely a record you can put on from beginning to end. Listeners of the Geek Down playlist, you know it's shown up frequently. And also, the the big... This is why you got to support... And this is the thing that mom and pop operations can do that, like, larger stores cannot. The exception of a major Canadian retailer. I love you. Um, like, at Record Store Day, whenever the hell that was, like, four months, three months ago? April? Right. March? April, I think it was. It was around Easter weekend. Um... I started off at June and I took a little like video, you know, stunting on Instagram. It's like, woo, it's record store day. Look at all these people having fun. Yeah. And they had a DJ at June and he was playing something. I don't even know what the hell it was, but he was playing something. And it's been like just Shazam, no help. Soundhound, no help. It was just too, I found out now it's because he had the pitch turned down on it. Ah. Um, which is probably the problem. Um, but I know the guy who was DJing works at June. He was there pretty frequently and he was there yesterday and i made him listen to the this six second video and <laughs> took him a couple tries but he was like oh yeah it's a uh, benedict it's a uh, ep called coolin and i looked it up and yeah i looked it up on youtube and yes it was 
and I've listened to that song like 500 times, and I posted a video of me dancing to it on Instagram, because it's great. And people at, you know, the people at your local mom and pop... They can, they'll know. They love this shit, and they'll know. If, if this was the days of, like, you know, where HMV was, like, still a thing, rest in peace to HMV. Yeah. Would not have happened. I couldn't go in there and be like, yeah, I was here, like, you know, um, two months ago, and uh, can you listen to this six seconds? And they're going to be like... <laughs> and... It's one of the things that bugs me about um, You've Got Mail is that, <laughs> I mean, I do feel bad that all the small bookstores it's just, it's were just closed. It's a heat, heat rock of a topical reference here. Um, you've Got Mail. <laughs> and yes. at the end, she's in the this big bookstore and this woman comes up and is explaining in really obscure terms this book that she's looking for for her child and the person there doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, but, and but Meg you know Ra- who does? Meg Ryan does. Meg Ryan does. She's like, oh yeah, it's this book and she's all sad. Excuse me. I was really good at my job. Oh, a major Canadian retailer does not, most of them are. Yeah. They're a little nuts. Yeah. We, we are. We, we're a little nuts. And I still count myself as we, cause like I'll be in a bookstore and someone will be like, oh, there's this blue book, uh, uh, it has a blue cover and it's about this thing. And I'll be like, oh, I know what that is. I'll help, I'll help people in the bookstore. You see some places, some bookstores make shady displays now. Where it's like I don't know the co- I don't know the name of the book, but the cover's blue. Yeah, this is a bunch of co- blue, bo- yeah. books with blue covers on it. So, I think that's all for chit chat. I guess it's still hot. It's still really hot. <laughs> um, we love that. You know how you guys love hearing about the dentist and the heat <laughs> over and over again, and what we did on the weekend. You are here for our lives, people. Um, so y'all voted. We've got the data. Yeah, it's true. And for those of you who who don't like this part and. You didn't vote? Too bad. Just like the election. Can't complain. Yeah. Can't complain. Um, all right. So we have specks of news. It's really not a lot. Just specks. Crumbs. Little news crumbs. Um, one of them being um, that we are sad to see Adam West pass away. Yes. For those of you who somehow don't know, maybe our younger viewers... Um, who don't apparently read the news or know anything about anything. Or view us, because this is an audio podcast. What do you mean? Are you referring to viewers of us, if our viewers don't know? No. Our viewers? Oh, they're still viewers, aren't they? And they're listeners. Just listeners? Yeah. Oh, they're not whatever. watching anything. Oh. <laughs> Just watching that waveform go by. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they, they find it soothing. <laughs> Maybe find my ums, my bell-shaped ums, soothing. <laughs> They don't see your bell-shaped ums, because I take most of them out. Shh. Don't tell people the secrets of the podcast. Oh, God. It sounds so rough sometimes, you guys. <laughs> Not just her, both of us. Anyways, Adam West passed away. Um, he was the known as the 1960s Batman. Um, very famously known as 1960s Batman. And more recently in life as the mayor of Quahog in Family Guy. Yep. Um, which he did an excellent job for. If you wanted to see some stuff that Adam West had done recently, NBC is airing a an episode of their show Powerless online that um, starred Adam West. This is the show that they canceled, like immediately. <laughs> like they aired like a couple episodes and they canceled it immediately. Whoops! Yeah, should have left it as an insurance company. Yeah, um, yeah, he was always cool with embracing his role on the Nerd Pantheon. Had some great cameos on The Simpsons. 
uh, on Big Bang Theory as well. That's the show I watched, but I did watch the clip of him on it, which was fine. Had no problem appearing in these shows, shading other actors who yeah. play Batman. I think he might have done Robot Chicken as well. I believe he did, yes. Yeah, and I mean, it's sad, but he was, what, like 88? Yeah, he was in his He's, 80s. He, he had a long life. And I mean, you hate yeah. to see anyone go, but I don't know, I'm not going to chalk this up into the heartbreak pile with, like, you know, Chris Cornell and Prince. Like, dude had a long life. Yeah. Salute you, Adam West. And that's, that's my crumb of news. That's your crumb of news? My yeah. crumb of news is uh, from my field, uh, Anime Expo, which is the largest. It's like the San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con for anime. Uh, had 100,000 attendees. 100,000? That's enough zeros, right? 100,000? 100,000, That's yeah. the number I'm thinking of. That's a lot of people. That is a ton of people. Uh, attendees last year. Runs as a not-for-profit. I'm not entirely um, clear on the entire structural breakdown of anime expo and financial um they they have recently switched from non-profit to profit i think but to for profit anyway there's none of that's the issue the issue is the fact that a convention this large recently put out a call for volunteer interpreters they have some interpreters that they have paid for yeah and apparently they need more and they don't want to pay for them i'm so, just shaking my head right so now they think that any fan who's bilingual and can speak Japanese should have no problem just, you know, running around and translating on the fly for native Japanese speakers. Um, people have had a problem with this. Good. Their anime expo has not really taken the L on this. Um, they've just kind of been like, we have paid interpreters. We have paid positions and volunteer positions. Anime as a whole has kind of like, and most fandoms do, have a history of like people doing work for free, right? It's just for the love. This is not the first time I've seen this. I have seen this before in the perfume fandom. Okay. Um, A few times. Not the least of which is when they are not fluent in English. Nochi's probably about at like a six at this point. On a one to ten scale? Yeah. Uh, Yuka's maybe at like a four and Achan's at like a two. I don't know what Achan does with her time, but... (laughs) Aton is not going to the English classes, and the running joke among the three of them is that, no, she has no friends and no life, so she probably has devoted more time, <laughs> the most time, to her English lessons, so she can she can get along better on the fly. But at all their shows in English-speaking markets, they just find somebody from the audience, and they hand them a mic, and they translate for them. Wow. They, so they tell the story about, you know, they went and got rainbow bagels, and they thought that was weird, like, and so the, it was weird but delicious, and then they'll talk, and they'll wait for the person to, like... And the, the translation is never great because these no. people are not professional interpreters because no. it's a very distinct skill set. And they also did something once where I think they were calling it the Trans Lyric Project. It was like a thing where they were trying to like, you know, reach out to the world. And it was basically like a crowdsourced translation of all their lyrics. So go ahead and translate all of our lyrics for us. This is a band or a like musical act that relies on Google Translate for everything else. They don't even have an English version of their website. Like, So this is an ongoing problem. It's the same as you're going to get great exposure. Yeah, it's <laughs> and this is great experience. It's people not valuing their own skills and thinking that they deserve to be paid. And also people taking advantage of the fact that a lot of... A, fans will do a lot for the things they love. 
Achan hands you a microphone and says, can you translate for me? You're really? not going to stop no. to think like, like, I should be compensated for this or you should have paid somebody before you got here to do this. You're like, absolutely, I will. But it's on the same level as just knowing that um, people need experience to get jobs. So yeah. let's what we're giving them is the experience even though they're doing the work for us right um it's on that same level which is uh, i could go on and on about it like on and on but i won't because it's hot and i don't know if everyone wants to hear my rant about the publishing industry probably not let's just say it sucks for the same reason and i mean uh, our hero, Amelia, who I think we're still friends. I don't know if she listened to the My Hero Academia episode yet, but I hope we're still friends. We love you, Amelia. I think she did. She said that we weren't as harsh to her as we thought, as she thought. No, I said she was letting us off the hook. Oh, uh, see, don't know how to use Twitter. <laughs> I just saw a thing. It comes up. I was like, oh, that's nice. No, I said she was being, <laughs> she's let, she's let us off the hook more than I was expecting. And she, uh, Said, well, I haven't listened to the episode yet. Ah. <laughs> Pull at the collar. Uh, we love you, Amelia. Uh, no, she's. I heard this story from her on her Twitter because um, she really believes this is kind of disgusting behavior. If this isn't some mom and pop operation out in you know the middle of Idaho. This is like the biggest anime convention in North America. Right. You should have money to do that. And she wrote an editorial on Anime Feminist about this. Basically, because her line is like, if I if anime feminist pulled in the money that Anime Expo did, like everybody would be paid all the time. Yeah, <laughs> much better than they're currently paid. Because like you're telling me, you didn't know beforehand that you would need to incur this cost, and if you did, you couldn't tack a dollar on to the, uh, you know, admission. Yeah. Um. So it's just it's not cool, but and it's fans especially being able to hang out, stand next to this person that you have loved and admired and for this rare opportunity is not necessarily worth you not being paid and conventions and organizers and things like that. It's not cool of you to exploit these people and their love for no. this art form and this fandom that they all share. So do better. Yeah. Do better. And Adam West should come back as a zombie. <laughs> Done. Zombie Batman or just a zombie Adam West? Just a zombie Adam West. He's just cool enough as his own self. All right. Yeah. We're going to take a break right here. Yeah, because the heat is obviously getting to Caitlin's brain. And Caitlin's got to slather down with more <laughs> aloe gel, preferably off mic, so y'all don't have to hear it. <laughs> and when we come back, oh my God, we actually have some things this week that kind of are complimentary. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, I did that on purpose. You did that on purpose? Yeah. You gave me yours first. You didn't know No, what... you gave me yours first. Did I? Yes. No. Whatever. See, he's getting to both of us. When we come back, we'll talk about the things brought each other. Bye. Bye. What's up, Geeky Dees? Welcome back to the program. It's still mad hot, so we're going to do this quick. This is the second part of the show where Caitlin and I talk about the things we brought each other. Yes, and this week we, uh, we've we tried to align it a little for you guys instead of being like crazy, not anything to do with each other. Here's something your grandma likes, and here's a uh, superhero anime. Yeah, and also more than grandmas just like Poro. 
just putting that out there. I bought my dad a Poro book as part of his Father's Day gift. Mm-hmm. So old men like it too. Um, I bet they do. Um, so this week, oh wait, we have rules. We do have rules. I almost forgot about the rules. And my thing's first anyway. Oh my God, I'm all over the place. Jesus. Uh, the first rule is the rule of three. The rule which, of three. Which is that if something comes in episodes or parts or is uh, serialized in any way, I remember that word finally, um, we will give it three chances. So we will watch or read or consume three of them so we can see kind of how the thing has... How it evolves. How it evolves. How it's become itself. Give it a chance to find its footing. Yeah. Um, in this case, the th- the initial thing was so long that I just had Jordan watch. The- it's basically a movie. Yeah. It's basically, it's the length, at least of a movie. Um, the second rule is hashtag seven for the pod, which is just the rule that the things that we talk about specifically when it comes to the things we brought each other, we're just going to save for this podcast. Nobody likes a stale take. No. It's crusty, flakes all over, it loses its sponginess. You just want that fresh take. What? What is the take made of? Opinions. <laughs> spongy, spongy opinions. You want that? You want that melt in your mouth take? You don't want that stale, tough take where you're just trying to like, you're trying to like gnaw on it. Right. You know, like a, like a like a what are those called? I don't Those know. Those fancy breadsticks at cafes that nobody really likes. Biscotti. Oh, biscotti? No, yeah. you have to dip it in your It's coffee. still stupid. I hate them. It's not. They're it's delicious. Oh. Fuck biscottis. Oh, my God. It's a hot take for you. It's <laughs> a fresh hot take for you. Fuck biscottis. Uh, yeah, we don't talk about the thing until we're sitting in front of these mics. Just so you guys get, like as Jordan said, weirdly, the freshest of takes. Um, the third rule is not really a rule. It's a policy. There will be spoilers. They're going to be spoilers. And these are two mystery shows. So if you like mysteries and don't like spoilers, you should head out. Get the fuck out. Now, one of them is from 2009. The other is from last year. Uh, more like 2015, I think. 2015? I think they took a long break. It's not super, super relevant. It's not like Game of Thrones spoilers, but still. It's, it's twisty turny. It's twisty turny. And, uh, and you should head out. You should take your leave. Do that now. We like to alternate, so this week we are going to start with the thing I brought Caitlin, which is a thing that is kind of back in the public discourse right now. Its third series is, I don't know what point they're at, I don't know how many episodes they have left, but we're not talking about the third series. No. We're not even talking about the first series. No, this is a change. We're talking about the second series of Fargo, which is... You would think, and is, based on the 1996 Coen Brothers movie of the same name. Uh, Does not feature any of the characters or any of the story around there, but basically kind of takes the locale and the details. Midwestern people getting completely in over their heads as they try to uh, better themselves in ways of somewhat questionable legality. Yeah. Lots of violence as well. Lots of violence. as As the... original movie had as well this was developed for television and has been primarily written by noah hawley which is if you follow tv people at all is a name that will sound familiar to you he's most recently known for legion he was the driving force behind that Mm -hmm. he did all that and he developed all that and fargo the tv series is an anthology yeah where i don't think there's really any connection i think there might be like a minor villain who pops up between season two and season three but season one 
which I heard was okay. Yeah. Feature Billy Bob Thornton and Martin Freeman in a plot line really kind of more similar to the movie than anything else. Right. Um, and feature an actress named Allison Tolman playing the Francis McDormand-like cop right. named Molly Salverson. I heard good things about it, but never really felt compelled to watch it. Season two, the hype and the discussion about this show was like deafening. It's like, this is like some of the best television you will ever see in your life. And Ted Danson's in it. We'll get to that. <laughs> the God. <laughs> we will get to that. Um, so whereas the first season was set in 2006 and featured this character, Molly Salverson. Salverson? Yes. The second season was set in 1979. Yeah. And dealt with a case solved by Molly's father and grandfather. Her father played by, played by Patrick Wilson and her grandfather played by the God, Ted Danson, sporting one of the finest beards television has really, ever seen. Really, like, magnificent. It's a fantastic beard. Um, and the cast on this thing is ridiculous. You have Kirsten Dunst. You have Jesse Plemons, who you don't know his name, but if you watch Breaking Bad, he was the infinitely punchable Todd, mm -hmm. the weirdo neo-Nazi <laughs> guy, uh, who you could not wait to watch get killed. And he looks much different. He put on a shit ton of weight for this role to look like a burly Midwest. <laughs> Midwestern butcher. Yeah. Um, who else is in there? Bokeem Woodbine was just a character actor you probably remember if you watched a lot of movies of the large air quote urban persuasion in the 90s. Um, he's fantastic. I'm trying not to gush over everybody in this thing <laughs> as I rattle it off. Uh, Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. Um, Gene Smart from Designing Women. Is that who that That's is? That's who that is, playing the uh, the matriarch of a Fargo-based, basically, crime family. Right. Named Floyd. Right. Her name is Floyd. And uh, Kieran Culkin, Macaulay's younger brother. Who also, one, of, one of the younger brothers. Who also, I believe, this is the one who played Wallace Wells in Scott Pilgrim, which is yes. my favorite part of Scott Pilgrim. Um, playing the youngest son of Gene Smart, who is the sort of the trigger that sets everything in motion yeah here he's the runt of the family and basically what happens is it starts with a shootout basically three murders that kieran culkin's character commits he's trying to uh reason with a judge who's hauling in one of his partners on a tax issue i think and he's trying he goes in to try and threaten her yeah um this judge is played by i don't know the name but by a third cusack sibling what because the voice was like her voice sounded so familiar the first time I watched this. Uh -huh. And I looked up the actress later because I was like, that looks like a like Joan Cusack if you're squinting. But it's not Joan Cusack. It's like Joan Cusack's older Joan and John Cusack's older brother. That's why she kind of has you that. You mean older sister? Yes. Sister. <laughs> She's there for a sec. Derp. Um. Hot. Um, Kieran Culkin, who plays Rye Gerhardt. The Gerhardt is the, is the mafia family or crime family. They're not really mafia per se. Tries to convince her. She's having none of it. No, I thought she was a great character. I loved her. She is great, which it sucks because she's only in it for like 15 minutes. Because yeah. she, she dies. Gives after a monologue about yeah. Job. She like sprays bug spray in his face. Yeah. Karen Culkin wilds out. Shoots her multiple times. Um, and then she stabs him. And then she stabs him and he shoots her more. And then he shoots everyone else in the diner. And then I don't even know if I want to spoil this part, but like. Something happens. He gets distracted. You can bring it up if you really want to. If yeah, you want to talk there were about UFOs. Later. He gets distracted by a UFO. Yeah. Yeah. 
and gets struck down in the middle of the road by Kirsten Dunst. But you don't know, though. Oh, you don't know it's her? No. Not initially, no. You just see you just see him get um, hit. And then what's really weird is you see him get hit, and it's horrible. And most people, like, usually when it's depicted, like, rush out of the car and is like, oh, my God. The car just drives off. We'll, we'll get to Peggy as a character okay. more in a minute. But just, like, drives off with him still on the windshield. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a very weird scene. But this is, like... The linchpin that sets everything in motion, kind of the murder of the judge and rise accident and ultimate death. Yeah. Because he's missing. His family is getting courted. Basically, the Kansas City Mafia wants to buy the family business out. Represented by Bokeem Woodbine as Mike Millerson. He's a great fucking character. He he's so good. I think he's one of the only ones from this cast that got nominated for an Emmy. He's so good in um, this role. And Brad Garrett. And they're like, the subtle thread here is like, it's basically about the, you know, corporatization of the mafia. Yeah. They have a very, you see Brad Garrett make a presentation. And they've got, he talks a lot about statistics and About the, the benefits of buying out this organization yeah. and how it would improve their operations. Like he presents it at a board meeting, basically. There's yeah. no like, hey, how you doing? Like none of that stuff happening. He yeah. makes a very staid presentation with like slides and shit. Like, and as they are on their way out to make this offer um the head of the gerhardt family otto has a stroke all this stuff happens in the first episode by the way i'm rattling off a bunch of stuff this all happens in the first episode uh the patriarch of the gerhardt family has a stroke leaving a bit of a power void there floyd the wife ends up kind of taking it by default the oldest son not having it doesn't really like women that much nope Immediately wants to go to war, doesn't want to negotiate at all, not about to sell out his family's business, despite the better offer and less work that it would probably make for them. Yep. Um, The middle brother is clearly kind of a mama's boy and hates his older brother and thinks that his mother should definitely be the one in charge. And they don't know what happened to Rai, the youngest. They haven't seen him. They don't know he's dead. Nope. Um, So you have the Patrick Wilson character and Ted Danson trying to figure out what's going on with this murder. That seems very odd. You have the Gerhardt family trying to track down Rye, and you have Kirsten Dunst and her husband, Jesse Plemons, trying not to get caught. They are the Martin Freeman, William H. Macy characters in this take on Fargo. Anyway, we'll get into details once I ask Caitlin what she thought, but like, I remember watching this on Christmas Eve. (laughs) One of those rando things where it was like, it was Christmas Eve, everybody's kind of like getting... Like my dad had stepped out or something. I don't know what he was doing. And my mom was upstairs and I was like, I just need something to watch. I'm back home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I always heard Fargo season two was really good. And I started watching it and it was like immediately enraptured with everything about this show. And I knew I was going to get around to giving it to you eventually. But as the conversation about season three, which is set in 2010 and stars you and McGregor as twins, um, it's getting compared to season two because season two is held up as like, holy shit, you just like, right. you're just doing donuts on the lawn. Like, this is, this is flawless. Season three has been accused of having a lot of sameness right. there because it is working within the archetypes that this Fargo brand has where you McGregor's playing twins and the one twin is the like fumbling guy who's out of his depth and his brother is actually the powerful one. Yeah. The, the parking lot king of Minnesota or whatever. Um, and I was like, wow, yeah, it's it's time to talk about season two of Fargo. Now let's give that to Kate, because I like, I don't know if you're going to finish this, but I will still hold up the second last episode of this season as one of like the top five episodes of TV I've ever seen. Oh my God. In my life. That's amazing. Like, 
I just remember howling, being like, you do not care. Like, there are no rules anymore. Shouts to FX, which is where this originally aired, for letting Noah Hawley do whatever he wanted to do. Shouts to Noah Hawley for just being like, yeah, I don't care. That's amazing. I'm just going to do whatever I want. It's like when the frogs fell in the middle of Magnolia. Like, when when the rain of frogs came out of nowhere. It's like, sure, yeah, you just don't care. And I love, ultimately, this podcast is a podcast about stories, right? This is ultimately what we're talking about. And the character details that run throughout this show and these people, whether it's Kristen Dunst, which I'm sure Kirsten Dunst, which I'm sure we're going to get to momentarily, or even the fact that like it's real subtle early on. I mean, they reveal it very quickly that Patrick Wilson's wife, uh, Betsy, I think her name is. Yeah. Um, she has cancer, and this is lightly alluded to in the early episodes, and then it's like. The way they allude to it is like I was just rewatching it this morning and there's a moment where Ted Danson, who plays the wife's Betsy's father, has kind of swung by early in the morning for breakfast and she's like, Oh, can I make you anything? And you know, these are like Midwestern stiff, not really talk about your emotion types. Yeah. The men and the women. Um, so there's a moment where Ted Danson's like, Oh, I wouldn't mind some eggs would be good if it's not too much trouble and she's kinda of like, I could do you oatmeal maybe, you know, the smell of eggs right now. It's kinda of, She doesn't even say just yeah. that shit like that happens all the time or the bit with there's a you know there's an enforcer in the Gerhart family who's a native and see the episode the third episode opens with him just like in the forest cradling a rabbit yeah like he's been out hunting and for absolute why there's no reason but it just adds so much to throw this like flashback that he's having of like the, res- on- the, the residential school yeah being on the red school and seeing a ma- uh, magician pull a white rabbit out of a hat yeah. he's just thinking of that yeah He's clearly not a sentimental type because the no. next shot is him carrying the carcass of the rabbit back to the house. But just like those little details are just sprinkled in throughout all over the place. And like every character in this show is like so amazing. And I love this. So, Caitlin, what did you think? Of <laughs> well, that's a lot to follow. Um, uh, I really liked it. I was surprised because I didn't know what I was going to find. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I am so into I, I can't. You keep on saying his name. The the character that comes from the mob that's... Um, this is going to sound terrible. The black guy? Yeah. Mike Sorry. Mike Millerson. He's not... An, I, I wanted to say enforcer, but he's not an enforcer. He's like... It's like a representative. He's yeah. Like, yeah. He's like a representative. Um, when he... So he... When he talks to the white people, a lot of the time he has this almost it's a put on like midwestern accent kind of yeah. and every so often when he gets he wants to show like there's an edge to him he'll drop it kind of drops into a baritone a little bit well like, he drops it and it gets um almost sounds almost like new york slang mm. like just for like literally a minute maybe under that and then picks up this midwestern thing right back up and when he talks i think it's in the third episode about how they aren't really polite there, but they're polite about not being polite. Like, it, it, that was really interesting. And he just, he seems so in control all mm. the time. But you have this feeling like if you let him loose, he would cause some serious havoc. Um, he's always wandering. He's always with these two twins. Who, yes, like, who never, never talk. Speak. Um, and just like the interaction he has, like, in the second episode with the Ted Danson character. Mm. Um, and there's just like, you know, there's a very fine line and any moment everyone could be dead. Like that happens a lot in the series. Um, I, 
what's really interesting is the the regular like mafia violence stuff um, and like cop kind of violent stuff I'm kind of okay with when you get into the 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 Kirsten Dunn's character and her husband I am so anxious for her husband all the time I was rewatching it today yeah and so basically let's talk about Peggy how do we explain Peggy um um, she obviously, she doesn't want to be married. She doesn't want to have kids. Hates her life. She hates her life. She wants to, like, she wish she could just, like, take off and move to California. Which she thinks this murder will facilitate. A little bit. At the very beginning, she's, at least uh, yeah. from what I've seen, she's yeah. like, let's just take off to California. And he's like, what are you talking about? We have lives here. Yeah, she's... The Jesse Plemons character is like this big, you know, he's just this big galoot and all he wants to do is take over the butcher shop that he works at. And have kids. And that would be great. And maybe have some sex sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. Kirsten Dunst is clearly not interested in this at all and wants to go to California. And the way it's, they they never say it. She never says it. They just kind of use framing shots and like when he finally, because it turns out uh, Arai was not dead when he was hit. No, he was not. And he's clawing at the back door of their garage like something out of a fucking horror movie um yeah so peggy basically hits him comes home starts making dinner and like cleans up does her hair and when uh the startled near-death rye ends up attacking him the husband and the husband finishes yeah <laughs> ends up murdering him because because he's in self-defense in self, in truly in self-defense he doesn't know what's going on he just knows this guy's attacking him with basically like a, a knife or something and so he stabs him with a garden uh garden spade yeah um and peggy's immediately like we could run we could go to california we could go to california and have new lives <laughs> yeah it's like oh peggy is completely delusional the compulsive liar yes and she's good at compulsively lying yes yeah. uh yeah she's a really fascinating character and kirsten dunst does a everybody on this show is just acting their asses off but yeah um she's very good at that as well but it was the scene where he is grinding up the body oh yeah <laughs> in the butcher meat grinder yep and i'm gonna describe all these beats just marveling that this is what you know they went with that this is what this writer's room like came up with but it's like Patrick Wilson, as the sheriff, is driving by and sees the light on. And it's just totally like an innocuous thing. He's like, oh, is the butcher open? Like, I want to get some bacon for breakfast. Totally innocuous thing. Meanwhile, this grisly act is happening in the back room. Yeah. As Patrick Wilson knocks on the door, the husband is about to drop, you know, the cleaver down on the hand, but ends up getting startled and, like, cuts all the fingers off. Yeah. And the fingers, like, spill off the table. It was that whole scene where, like, now he's trying to, like, maintain normalcy. Yeah. But, like, he's noticed one of the fingers on the floor. And I was like, this might be, like, too night of for Caitlin. Like, this might be too... I have to... It's so funny. Too suspenseful for Caitlin. When, when the cop knocked on the door, I had to fast forward it. Yeah. Yep. Just uh, every so often, it's just with those two. I don't know why they, they are guilty. They have done something wrong. It's not like they're innocent or we don't know if they're innocent or guilty. Like they've done some really wrong things. I guess I just really feel sorry for the butcher character. You should. <laughs> like it, 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 it wasn't his fault. He but didn't he, ask for any of this. No. But and he, but he, and he loves his wife so much 
that he's basically committing all these crimes to help her cover it up. Um, and just, I just feel so bad for him, but I'm also like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're putting someone's body through a meat grinder. What the hell? Um, and I, there are real been, calm about it too. Yeah. There have been bits and pieces. And like when they, he's cleaning up, like he just does a really thorough cleanup mm. job. Um, so I find him to be a really fascinating character. Um, and I don't know. I, I just, for, for some reason, because they are such regular people, Mm. I get really anxious. (laughs) Now, when it comes to the, like, the mob stuff, I'm like, bring it on. (laughs) Like, oh my God, poor typewriter guy. Oh, poor typewriter guy. I feel Uh so bad for him. Speaking of people who didn't ask for any of this, and just, so, this poor typewriter guy, just... This was Kieran Culkin's, like partner this was who he went to speak to the judge on on his on his behalf basically this was the partner yeah so in a way the partner kind of triggered this as well but it didn't mean to cause so many problems was hoping to fix some problems he just wants to get money to buy these typewriters but he has some back tax issues his accounts are frozen he gets swept up into this like look uh, like this hunt for this younger son of this mob family because caitlin Typewriters? Typewriters. Not just for women anymore. Not just for women. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Love that line. It's not just for women anymore. And uh, they they bury him alive, alive in uh, in asphalt, basically. Oh, is that what they did? Um, I didn't finish my rewatch on or, the third or episode. Or what's the black yet. stuff? That's asphalt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they just like, he's like, I don't know. Any, like, I if I knew where he was, why would I come to his apartment looking for him? I don't know. He just said like i just asked him to talk to this judge he's kind of explains his mm. role in it and the oldest brother's just like i don't fucking care bury him and he just like they can make him get in a hole and they put the thing and all his little ties poking out of the asphalt and i just i'm so sad for him he wasn't an evil guy he was just bumbling and way way over his head which is what these what basically i already called it the fargo brand i'm sure the cohen brothers would <laughs> punch me in the face if they ever heard me say that <laughs> statement um yeah that's what it's that's what these stories set in this world are always about it's just like people who did bad things maybe even for the right reasons but just get totally caught up and swept up in the aftermath of their own bad <laughs> decisions yeah so and and the, the ted, ted danson in this is so good <laughs> and like there was one moment where he was uh so the thing with, I'm going to talk about two moments regarding the cop side of things, because basically this becomes a thing where, because the murder happened in Minnesota, yeah, um, but the judge was from North Dakota, so it becomes there's a state an line interstate thing. issue. So Patrick Wilson's character is, Patrick Wilson and Ted Danson are the Minnesota state police, yeah. and they get, they end up having to start working with the North Dakota local police, um, but they're talking to each other on the radio. Yeah, and, so good. And also, you know, we are downplaying the whole thing that, you know, you think Fargo, you think of like, oh, yeah. 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 Okay, then. Yeah. Like that whole way of talking. That is. That is all on display here. Very much so. And it is lovely. And that, that like real like offbeat, off kilter sort of like there's a scene in the butcher shop where like basically 
Okay, then. Yeah. We're, we're okay, at, then. Where the husband saying he's leaving work for the day is communicated just via okay, thens be- between yep. the three people in the butcher shop. Um, they're on the radio, and they're discussing a prince coming back from the gun that they found at the scene or whatever. Yeah. As well as being late for dinner <laughs> that yep. night. And it's like, they're still doing, like, the overs and stuff. And yep. when the conversation's done, Ted Dance is just like, okay, then, over. Over and out, I guess. He's not, he's not really like used to the protocol here. And I just, I wonder if that, like, is that, was that even in the script or is that just one of those things where like Ted dancing? Cause you're the God, you're just like, eh, just sprinkle that in there. Um, and I really love the wife. The, she's so great. She's so good. And she just, she obviously could be a cop, yeah. right? It's just the, it's sort of the wrong time. If you, if you think about that. Mm. And, um, there's a great scene with Patrick Wilson going, uh, their daughter is like, what is it? And he's like, nothing. Your mom's just doing my job again. Because <laughs> she's always, because between her dad and her husband, yeah. she's getting all these details and asking questions and like, but what about this? And what about what if this happened? And yeah. And even just like, again, like these little character moments, there was a time in the first episode, I think, where like, and also bearing in mind, there is... um there's like veteran stuff in here as well because it's yeah. set in '79 after the Vietnam War, and Patrick Wilson has come back from the war. Nick Offerman has a really small part in this as like a oh, crazy I, like I conspiracy theorist him. type he was guy. So good in that role. Um, he pops up a couple more times, but I don't I don't remember what his contributions to the overall story are. Um, so and because you know they're not big talkers, he's carrying the weight of his wife's cancer and whatever happened and he brought back from the war and all that type of thing. And he's just kind of like looking out the window. And the wife's in bed reading a magazine or something. And it's just, she closes the magazine and just kind of looks at him and is like, well, is that Saturday then? I just thought that was like just such a, he just kind of snaps him out of it. She snaps him out of it. And he's like, oh yeah, okay then. (laughs) That domain, the domesticity in that scene, I thought was just so nicely captured. And the moment where it just happens in the third episode where the Patrick Wilson character goes to the Gerhardt farm because they're looking for the youngest because he's been implicated in this killing of a judge and they're asking for all their guns and like the local cop is like yeah sure absolutely because he's been there and he's familiar with the family patrick wilson is a little more by the book he doesn't really care and it's just this moment where he he says he's not going to take it and he's not going to give his gun yeah and people are like giving him lip about it he's like am i the only one here who's familiar with the concept of law enforcement (laughs) yeah (laughs) howling like just it's the combination of the quality of the writing and even the the fucking accents, like just the way it's, they and talk and the way it's delivered. It's that it's funny because well, it's, this will come up in a different way in the thing I gave you, but just the flipping back and forth between comedy and drama, mm. right? Um, and it happens with the it, they use the domesticity scenes to to do this, right? Mm. Where it's they're talking about shop one second and then talking about being late for dinner the next, right? Like this back and forth, and they do it at a really good rate though there are moments where it gets you know it gets very serious Uh, even things like torture so the oldest brother of this mob family (laughs) is torturing some guy and is like hey like can't you hear me and his his uh, what would you call him his second yeah um says you cut his ears off and they're just like these ears in a bucket um and he's like come on wake up and he's like I think he's dead. Like, I'm pretty sure he's he's dead. And this is the gross shit that I always 
appreciate, then they get called away. And the dog. And a dog comes in from off screen and, and puts its face in the bucket and is clearly eating the ears that have been left there. Yeah. It's like, mm, yep. Yep. So anyway, I was just, even on the rewatch of this, I was like, I got to know what I'm talking about. So let me start rewatching it. Like from the second it started, I was just like, oh my God, this is all so good. I'm just going to rewatch it. And I'm going yeah. to put the accelerator on watching season three, even though I've heard it's not as good. Yeah. Just, I love and I've never watched season one, so I'm probably going to be in like Fargo mode for the next month yeah. because I just forgot how good this actually was. What are you saying, Caitlin McKinnon? Uh, I'll say 7.5. 7.5 for um, Fargo season two. The only reason there it's not an eight is because it made me very anxious. <laughs> and I really can't give something like a uh, an okay. How dare you punish something for being good at suspense? I mean, hey, if you're into suspense, this is definitely like a nine for you. <laughs> I just can't. I can't handle it. So it's a seven point five. And again, if you want to dive straight into season two, I did. There's one scene that kind of alludes to season one, where the actors from season one um, they make an appearance. Like right. the the characters, young Molly in her grown up form, her partner, which I think was played by Colin Hanks. Like, there's like a sort of a fever dream that somebody has at some point where you see all these characters again. And if you've seen season one, maybe, and you may see some other characters. I think that are show up as kids in season two. But I mean, if you see season one, you will get these Easter eggs, but they are not mandatory. Yeah, at all. and it, yeah, it totally. I went right in and and was like, okay, good to go. So that is on. I don't know, probably. One of your finer streaming services, your craves or what have you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So right. moving on. Moving on. So talking about detective stories. Detective stories in untraditional places. A very, a very different sort of detective story. Uh, this week I gave Jordan the television series of the number one ladies detective agency. Um, it is a comedy drama. The series, and as I mentioned, it came out in like 2008. Um, it is one season. It is based off of the books by Andrew, Alexander McCall Smith. Um, and another one of your grandma's favorite authors. I love his <laughs> books. Okay, they are. I absolutely adore this series. I also really like the television series. I like. I do like the books better. Um, but really what there are very few books that I think have been made into better television shows. Um, but, uh, it's set in, um, Botswana, which is on the border of several other African countries, uh, namely South Africa, Namibia, um, Zimbabwe, and a little bit of Zambia, just like a touch of Zambia. Just a little bit. Um, it mostly takes place in uh, Gaborone, which is the capital and largest city in Botswana. And it surrounds, basically, uh, the detective, which is uh, Ma Precious Ramotswe, um, who is the main character in the series, and including the, the 17 novels um, that have been, that it, it, Alexander McCall Smith has written, specifically on, on this character. Um, in the books, and they do this a little bit in the show, Botswana is its own kind of character. And there are a lot of very regional references and um, ways things are done. It's not like you could just like take any mystery story and put it 
into Botswana. No. Like, it's a very specific type of story and characters. Um, Ma has, in the first, it's basically like an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes pilot, yes. um, has, uh, she talks a little bit about how much she loves her father. Her father has recently passed away. She's inherited all this cattle, which means she's actually quite a wealthy woman she now. loaded. She decides to, to sell the cattle and move from her small village to Gaborone to open a detective agency, um, which she is the only lady detective in all of Botswana. That makes her number one. That makes her number one. Um, and on the sort of way to, to Gaborone, she meets uh, Mr. JLB uh, Mataconi, I think it is. Um, and he becomes a, a confident and a friend and obviously has some in- interest. They obviously, I think, have some interest in each yeah, other. Each other, yeah. Um, and uh, you learn more a little, like, through kind of touches here and there, like we talked about in in Fargo, there are sort of, like, mentions and characters and you get a sense of this tragedy she's had in which she's mm. lost her child and she's been part of an abusive relationship with her ex-husband um and she's a a very interesting and different type of type of woman in Botswana um uh she also has a lovable uh secretary oh my God, named I love her. Mama Kutsi um who is great okay so oh i was surprised when you said that her name was ma is that not just like a title for women okay but yeah it's it's a it's a title meaning respect okay um for men it's because i heard it mentioned as like a greeting like between the women like at all times i was just like so when you said it was usually that's how you would say someone's name Mm. right you would say um ma remotse you wouldn't call her precious be like be like san and chan in japanese where it's just like a little thing yeah respectful thing um i think men are mar if that's it um but uh yeah, anyway, so she's opening this detective agency. Um, you sort of, it, it's a, the first, it's really, like you said, a, a small movie, but I'm just going to keep on referring to it as episode, um, is about sort of her start in that. Um, the first client she gets, um, her secretary, <laughs> who I love so much, um, and how her sort of brand of detecting and how she figures out these these cases, um, as well as a lot about Botswana and the people. And I think that's I think that's it. I think that's a good sort of synopsis of one, the story. One other one other item of note that Caitlin didn't mention, but I did see when I was doing a quick read of this. Uh, I believe the series was produced and this movie was directed by Anthony Minghella, who. Um, is a highfalutin, hoity-toity English director. He did yes. the English Patient. He did the talented Mr. Ripley. He and did... and I should say it was um, an actually a joint venture between BBC and HBO. Oh, um, it tragically, like I said, only ran one season, um, which is rare. I suspect that was more a money thing than anything else. It was a money thing, and it yeah. And there was some other. They had thought they might do two long movies, um, sort of like the first episode where it'd be like an hour and a half hour and 40 minutes to sort of do some other stuff i still have this hope that they're going to pick it up and just you know because there's we're in the age of netflix right (laughs) so maybe netflix will want to pick it up and just be like yeah caitlin wants this so we're gonna give her (laughs) 
Because they're always listening, right? All for Caitlin. Yeah. So, what did you think? Oh, oh, I should say, and I did mention briefly, the storytelling is very different. There's almost like, it's a weird mix. Again, kind of like Fargo, where there's a mix between wholesomeness and almost like cheesiness to drama. That is the exact word I was going to use when you threw to me. This was cheesier than I was expecting. Yeah. and the not, not across the board, but when it gets cheesy, it gets real cheesy. Yeah. And it gets, it's definitely more, uh, more there's more cheesiness in the, um, in the series than mm. there is in the books. But there is still a, like, like I said, like a wholesomeness to some of the stories and some of the outcomes. They're really feel good mystery novels. Like the one, the one I was like. It's like really, this is how we're gonna. This is how the show's gonna play. This one was so she, as she's you know developing her business, she does a bunch of smaller cases throughout the throughout the movie, yeah. and one of them involved this woman who didn't know, never knew her father, and then her father just showed up one day. But he's more than likely a a scammer. More artist. than likely a scammer, and how how precious decides to catch him in the lie is to. Uh, basically roll up dressed as a nurse with like an ambulance. Where'd she get the ambulance? I missed that part too. Oh, she just not, she just talked to the guy. Okay. She looked at her car and then she like looked at the ambulance and like went up to him and was like, hello, <laughs> I would like to borrow your ambulance. Um, they run up and it's like, oh, there's been something terrible that's happened with your daughter. <laughs> just like the, the discussion between them. Like, like the blood discussion. She's clearly like, if, if you had a melon in your head, you would catch any. She, this is not a good hustle. <laughs> yeah. She's running here. But it's like, it's like she needs blood. He's like, we'll buy all the blood in the world. And she's like, no, you don't have to. He's like, blood is free. <sighs> no, it's just a real special type. And, <laughs> and you're the only one who has it. She needs your blood. And that's when he ultimately ends up confessing that that ain't going to work because she's not really my daughter. And yeah. she, he just, she just kicks her out of the... Just like bouncing around in the back of this ambulance that she's stolen dressed as a nurse. I'm like, yeah. this is some This is much more madcap than I was <laughs> expecting going into this. Yeah. Um, but it does play both lanes. Um, me being me. I like the latter lane. Of course. Second. Yeah. Because um, there was um, the ultimate sort of case which i believe is as she's heading moving into the city there's something with a missing child yeah all these um, people are out looking for this missing looking child. for a missing child son of a school teacher i believe and as she builds up more cases blah 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 the um the I, uh, names on this were not i also wasn't watching the best quality stream so the, the audio wasn't great so i missed a lot of names but um the guy who's interested in her the um i always get his last name uh Maticone. Maticone. uh Maticone, who also owns a mechanic uh, garage in i think she calls him something different yeah um but yeah that's his last name he speedy auto <laughs> the owner of speedy auto um i don't know what, when she figures out that the two might be related or if she even does but basically finds this he has found in yeah. the car basically a witch doctor pouch yeah unlike some some bad, some bad stuff, and whoever owns it is clearly not involved in things on the up and up. Yeah. So she wants to investigate this, and they kind of come up with this story where, like, um, you know, say that it's been stolen, and then get them to hire me to find it, type of thing. Um, and then I think I guess witch doctors are also gangsters because it's a very nice car. And then when the witch doctor showed up, I was like, "Yep, there it is." 
What? There's there's your boy. Oh, yeah. Guess who cameos in this, friends? Tell us, Caitlin. No, I, I, no you tell them. Idris Elba. Um, so... Clean shaven. So, I have seen Idris without a goatee in a long-ass time. This is one of the first things I've seen. In you just said one of the first things, and that's first, the most amazing things that first, ever happened on this when show. You re, when you re-listen <laughs> to this, I'll say first, okay? It's one of the first things uh-huh. I've seen Idris Elba in. <clears throat> um, I'm fine. Uh, he plays the witch doctor, and she's basically... Um, to get his trust to try and get a lead on where his base of operations is because basically they find like the finger of a, a kid's finger in yes in the pouch. In well this, yeah through uh things a witch, doctor witch doctory like. pouch um and to try and convince him that she actually wants to use his services she goes into this story about how like she wants to hurt somebody and it's her ex-husband and it's those things that yeah even when they're alluded to in the earlier parts of the movie it's like she seems more okay with it than like like she's putting on a front when she's saying this but the rage is real and she's still carrying a lot of hurt and rage from that and the moments where that would like became clear was more than i was expecting for a thing a thing that up to that point had been much more madcap than i was expecting like yes she's lying no she's not actually going to like set a witch doctor on her ex-husband and put a curse on him but like part of her probably would like to um, and yeah, so, and I mean, Jill Scott's a fucking queen. So like I could watch her do anything for, you know, an hour and a half. Also, her character is of traditional build and a lot of men like her that way. <laughs> Including David Oyelowo. Liked watching him play, play the scumbag of the cinch. That was, yeah. that was a fun, that was a fun part for him. Um, so that has to do with a case where, you know, one of the many cases she works on, one's about a dude who's, like, committing insurance fraud for, like, a cut-off finger that he didn't really lose. He just keeps claiming it with different insurance companies. Which and, is amazing. And then donating the money to an orphanage, so yeah. she kind of lets him off the hook. Um, and then one of them is your traditional, like, is my husband cheating type of thing. And I thought that thread got dropped. I was like, did we ever do anything with the husband? Because then she basically catches him yeah. by using herself as bait, basically. For his pervy ass and he's all about it but then when when the wife comes back and you know wants an update and the story she's telling is like my husband was out late again last night he, he told me some story about he was out with some woman who was too he was a chair some charity case some woman who was too fat to get, to get home oh. on her own type of thing and i was like that's funny you piece of shit david ogilowell um yeah, this was. I thought this was maybe overly long, maybe too uneven with the mood at times. There were clearly some things in there that felt bookish. Yeah. Like things that you can tell were in the book that played better in the book. I'm assuming the bit with the typewriter missing letters is probably a thing that comes up. To be perfectly honest, I, I can't remember, no? but it probably is. That seems like a real bookish thing. Like you can just, I can yeah. even see the scenes in the books where like the secretary leaves her a note and then yeah. they like put a, in the book, they put like what she typed and it's missing these letters and it's just a thing that you as a reader have to go like, oh, because it's missing it. You know, there's right. no H on the typewriter type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so that stuff felt very bookish. But I mean, what do I always talk about around here like show me something i haven't seen before what did i bitch and complain about my hero academia for like two episodes worth is i've seen all this before i don't care 
I haven't been to Botswana. No. I've never seen anything that was set in Botswana. No. Botswana's kind of dope. Yeah. Um, and seeing how, I mean, I can't speak to how you know realistic a depiction of these people's lives this show is, but I mean, it's something. And ain't a white person to be found anywhere on this show. Nope. Solid. Yeah. Fist bump. <laughs> Fist bump for a prestige HBO show that ain't got a white person in it. Yeah. I, I mean, you're starting at like a six just for being something I've never seen before. Well, that's good. And there's enough there. The <laughs> the woman playing the secretary is it's amazing. Fantastic. And she was clearly, it's, I don't have many notes for this, but the first note I had was like, secretary is the best part. Yeah. <laughs> like I love whenever she comes on the screen and her, like her monologue at the beginning about how, She's what not, did she think she was at first? She didn't think she was applying for the secretary or like... Uh, she, well, no. She, all she said was, oh, I was expecting a woman who looked a little bit more... She's and, very, you know, kind of dowdyish. Looks like yeah. a you know, librarian librarian chic. Caitlin, I know, Caitlin's, right? Caitlin's aesthetic. Um, and she get, kind of gives this monologue about how, like, you know, I graduated, you know, 97th, 97th percent and, you know, my secretarial school, whatever. And I keep... And I, every time I go to a job, I lose it to a woman who came in below me, but wears a, sh- wears a tighter skirt type of thing. And, but I'm not going to do that. And, yeah. Um, and even the bits of the beginning, like she sets up shopping what's basically an old post office and people keep coming in trying to buy stamps and shit. <laughs> and like, yeah. Uh, madcapiness, quirkiness. Um, we know how Caitlin loves quirkiness. And there, there were some other things. And, you know, the, <laughs> did it need a gay hairdresser who runs the shop next door? <laughs> Which that, is funny. That just seemed like a real weirdly Western I don't sitcom know, trope. I don't know if he's in the books. Yeah. I can't remember. He mm. could very well be, but I'm just not sure. He was a fine as a character. It wasn't like he was offensively mincing or anything like that. But I was like, eh, it was, yeah. it was a weird call to try and yeah. throw that trope in here. But yeah, I didn't... I was like a 7.5, wow. maybe. There were some things... That, like, I think there were some liberties taken that, like, me as a viewer were like, mm, like, when you show up at the school with the son, with the missing son of the school teacher, maybe you take him to the police? Yeah. Maybe you don't just, maybe she did. Maybe this all happened off screen, but she just, like, drives up with the kid mm-hmm. so they can have this touching moment reunion. If the kid's been missing for, like, you know, a month. Probably needs to and, see, like, and, a psychiatrist. And then some, then some lady I don't know just shows up and he runs out of her car. I might have a couple questions. Yeah. There might be some discussions that had to be had. Um, I guess we can assume that did happen because at the same time you're seeing glorious clean shaven Idris Elba get, uh, in his two second of two scenes that he has in the entire thing, mm-hmm. uh, get, get penned in by the police, um, presumably to be arrested for his involvement in the kidnapping of this child. Um, but yeah, it was like, like I said, show me something I haven't seen before. When am I going to go back and... I might check it out in a tighter form, like when it's. I might check out a rando episode on like a, just to see. I assume it's an hour for the, for the regular. Uh, yes, I believe so. And uh, you know that next one, dentists. It's the whole thing about dentists. So maybe I'll watch that one. Maybe maybe Jill Scott and I can bond over our mutual, ambivalence about dentists. But yeah, I'd be, I'm curious to see what it does in a tighter, you know, when you, tighten up those extra forty minutes that the pilot had. Does it get a little? Will I find it a little smoother, yeah. a little less uneven? Hey, and if I don't, I'll be like, "Cool, that was a cool thing. I'm glad it got made." Yeah, and tell your dad about it. <laughs> he might like it. And then send, and then send my dad a link for it. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to promote or not promote the legality of watching this on YouTube. It's on YouTube. 
Yep. HBO was not exactly lax with its copyright policing. It's also on Daily Motion. As we know, you ain't doing that with Game of Thrones. No. You ain't doing that with, you know, The Sopranos. No. If HBO's turning a blind eye to this for whatever reason, I don't see why you can't go find Maybe it. Maybe just find it find somewhere. It, find it in those Yep. in those avenues. So yeah. That's the ladies number one detective agency. Great. You waiting for a uh, waiting for a forty four Scotland Street uh no, adaptation? I oh. don't Wow. Oh, sorry. I've read a couple of others of his books and I don't like them. I thought the Sunday Philosophy Club was going to be... Actually, I haven't read 44. I re- read the Sunday Philosophy Club. I didn't even know what that series is. I uh, did not like it. First mystery, it was not happy with. Um, and I read something else and I was like, eh, not as good. So if you need your Alexander McCall Smith fix, ladies number one detective agency only. Only until Caitlin reads something else and likes it. Do, do you have do you have a, a volume from that fifteen vo- volume series um, you would recommend? The first the first one is the best one. First one's the best one. There yeah. you go. There- I mean, it it just I just ugh, see. You know what? I could I, some of them flow into each other because oh, they're Sophie's choice. <laughs> She's spiraling. <laughs> Fine. First one's the best one. I'll keep it at that. <laughs> All right. Find though. Find that at one of your finer. Canadian retailers, major or otherwise. Do we have any updates? No. Nothing? Nothing. Just sweating? Just sweating. Uh, I continue to be caught up on... I caught up on all the available My Hero Academia just to be part of that conversation. Second season's still okay, but it's like... Listen, I'm going to defer to Kayim, who has watched everything okay. in the world. Right. Kayim is Captain Shonen. <laughs> He's watched Naruto. He's watched Bleach. He's watched... All 8,000 episodes he of One Piece. He is watching Baruto. He is watching Baruto. Based on our discussions around here, he watched MHA. Yeah. Concurs across the board. Really? He's like, meh. Yeah. It's like, every point you guys made were points I would make. Like, it's not doing anything new in Excellent. the shonen in the shonen genre. Excellent. I'm not going to speak to that or otherwise, because I know y'all like it, and I don't want to get come for, but that's... That's what's happening there. What? You always want to get come for. I love to get come for me. I love it. Uh, well, I think that's just about going to wrap up this episode. Yeah. As said at the top, if you want to contact us for any reason, you can do that on our socials, on Twitter, at GeekDownPod. Email us, GeekDownPod at gmail.com or on Facebook. www.facebook.com forward slash GeekDownPod. We will be hanging around there and we'll be hanging around here next week for another fantastic episode of the GeekDown Podcast. My name's Jordan Ferguson. My name's Caitlin McKenna. Theme song is by Rob Gasser. Thank you so much for listening, friends, and we hope you'll be back with us next week. See you next week. Heaven on our minds, man. Yeah. <laughs>